Welcome to the first ever podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Bohm. On today's show, I'm talking to world-famous photographer, Atiba Jefferson. He's responsible for some of the most iconic photos in skateboarding and basketball, shooting for Thrasher, Transworld, Nike, the NBA, and more. I admit I was a little nervous to talk to Atiba because he's the first guest that I've had on the show that I wasn't, I guess, already friends with. Um, but I guess if I'm going to do this podcast, I have to get used to something like that um, if, I, if I'm going to take this thing seriously. Uh, so it was a great first experience uh, doing that for me. Uh, I met Atiba in passing, uh, though, a couple years ago when 2J toured with Turnstile. Uh, we met at the Observatory in Orange County. Um, I'll never forget him coming backstage and everyone in, in the bands being just like so starstruck and, and thrilled, like, dude, he was in the skate video game and and all this stuff. And admittedly, I wasn't too familiar with him because I was never a skater kid. I uh, was not coordinated or cool enough. Um, I rollerbladed, as you'll hear me admit in this podcast. Uh, but uh but yeah it was uh it was really awesome talking to him he's really really sweet we didn't even end up getting to the basketball part of his career because we just talked so much about punk and skating and how we got his start and all of this that we didn't even get that far so i invited him back uh just another time whenever he's got the the availability and and if i'm actually still doing this which i'm really hoping i will be uh to just focus on the the basketball part because i'm can only imagine how interesting and exciting that journey is. So um, without further ado, I'm not going to take up any more of your time. Uh, shout out to Brendan Yates for connecting us on this podcast. And thank you once again to Atiba for giving me some of your time. I know you're a very busy person and uh, I hope you enjoy. This is the first ever podcast. Atiba, thank you so much for being here. Seriously. Thank you for having me, man. Um, I am so excited to be here. So you were born in Colorado Springs, but you grew up in Manitou Springs. Is that what I understand? Yes. It, yeah. It's, yeah, it's pronounced, uh, it's pronounced Manitou Springs actually. Um, yeah, Manitou Springs. And from what I understand from, I have a few friends who are from or like live in Colorado Springs. It's like sort of like a secluded sort of hippie town, but it's not too far from Colorado Springs. Right. Is that fair to say? Manitou. Yeah. So, so Colorado Springs, and this is what I think has really helped me become who I've become, including I have identical twin brother, uh, which is a great reflection of myself because we're pretty identical in so many ways and in so many ways not, but we love like the same music. We love skateboarding. We love sports, video games, art, music. Um, if he walked into the room, you wouldn't be able to tell the difference between us. We dress the same. <laughs> um, but I personally think we don't dress the same on purpose. We just get a lot of clothes uh, from Supreme. So we, we, we get the same clothes, thankfully. Shout outs to them for being so sweet. Um, but uh, yeah, we are so opposite in our attitude and energy. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just like, whoa, he's so different from me. But um, we're weirdos in the sense that like, we like really weird things. And I think that's coming from this secluded town that is filled with military. It's filled with hippies. It's filled with liberals. And it's filled with like white, I mean, white. It's filled with white too, but also very right wing Christians. 
So our town of Manitou, when we grew up there, which was from 81 to we moved in 95, um, you know, at first it was like a big hippie town. Um, you know, it was a nice town, but, you know, it has two stoplights. You can count the cop cars at the cop station. Um, but, you know, it also really was conservative in ways. And when we were there, it was like, I, I would say it was kind of had a lower income side to it. And that's why we were there. Um, not like crazy hood, but just lower income, you know, not like drug dealer on the block, but like we were on welfare and food stamps and things like that. Um, but now that town has gotten gentrified and it's expensive to live there. And that's what's funny. I, I actually uh, bought my mom a house there for Christmas, which I'm very proud to say I was able to do. And uh, I wish I would have bought. Yes, it's the bucket list is pretty much checked off with that one. Um, but I wish I could have done that probably 10 years earlier because the the price is a lot cheaper in Colorado Springs and Manitou Springs now. Wow, that's crazy. So what brought the family like why why there? Was a uh, was your folks military related um, or No, no. My mom and um my father moved to Colorado Springs uh just as hippies, they were in upstate New York and just wanted to move there. Um, but the the interesting thing about it is that um, my dad left when I was about four and moved to Germany and he wasn't in my life growing up. So my mom was just a single mom uh, with these three kids. My mom is white, my dad is black. And, you know, it's pretty crazy to think what she probably, you know, looked like being this struggling single mom, being white with these three black kids and what our society does, you know, um, and looks upon people uh, biracially. But um, it makes me think, man, she's just even, I, I never thought about this really the whole time growing up. And I read um, Phil Lynott's Mom Has a Great Book. Um, Phil Lynott being the, the singer of Thin Lizzy. Um, but she talks about, you know, the way people looked at her because she had this half black son in back in those days, you know, she was kind of a freak and outcast. And, you know, it, it makes me go, God, my mom, besides figuring out how to raise these three kids on no income, she really did a great job probably mentally and, you know, the way, the, you know, the way I was raised, you know, I was able to respect all cultures. You know, she was a bartender at a gay bar. Um, you know, she loved black culture, black music. So for me, it was great because I was able to experience all these different things. Like my first concert she took me to was Peter Tosh, um, you know, and I remember it barely. That was probably in Denver, I would say. She would go to a lot of shows in Denver. But, you know, my mom saw all the greats. You know, she saw Weather Report, Zeppelin, Bob Marley. She was, and she still is. She's alive right now. She's really amazing. And that's where I get my love of music from 
is her, you know, listening to records. She always had records around jazz. Reggae was her big thing, but also like all the classics, you know, Sabbath and like I said, Zeppelin, Um, you know, so many things that later in my life and disco, disco was a big thing she loved and soul, soul and disco, which really became a big influence on me. So, you know, I, I, I remember the day she brought the specials record home, you know, so there's a lot of these things that really formed me, the police and so many things that I love now that I got from her. King Crimson. (laughs) It's like, you know, you look at it and like, I look at her record collection. I mean, it wasn't taken care of well at all, but you know, I've even taken like very deep, like dub, like Creation Rebel. I don't know if you know who they are, but Adrian Sherwood's the, the you know, like original presence of, like how did she find these in Colorado Springs in, you know, 1983? Yeah, that was going to be a question. Was there was there a record store in that town or did you yeah. have to go to? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. yeah. Budget tapes and records. And there was the competing one called Independent Records. And Independent Records didn't have the selection as good for underground as budget tapes and records budget would do special order. So we would even special order SST and discord stuff when we were really young. We um, I'm jumping all over the oh, place, you know, this is, this is good. cut me off and, and, and rally me. But um, yeah, we were cooks at this Mexican restaurant. We picked up skateboarding and having a job at 13. Okay. And at the same time we met a group of like, punk rock skaters and they turned us on to you know like punk rock and like you know sst blasting comps concepts compilations and and uh all the things that you know became a big influence you know bad brains minor threat the ramones so you know this is pre-internet so yeah you would buy a lot of your music based off the record label so if it was alternative tentacles you know i would because of dead kennedys or you know i was really a sst dude heavily so it was minutemen husker do blast bad brains fire hose you know all you know sonic youth dinosaur jr so and and the cool thing about that is you'd buy some of these records i remember husker do being like what am I listening to? Like, this is like weird hippie rock, you know? This is like something my mom would like. Uh, wave us, the later stuff. Yeah, as I say, their their sound changed drastically. Like Same with the Minutemen. Yeah, same. Like yeah. the Minutemen, it was like, I bought, you know, uh, I, I forget, Project March 2 or whatever it was, the later one. And uh, that really was like, wait, what am I listening to? This is... This is crazy. So just 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 real quick. So the this podcast called it's called the first ever podcast. And it's and and um it sounds like you found cool. punk and skating kind of like at the same time. Like they they came kind of hand in hand. Whereas like I know a lot of kids who yeah. kind of grew up in the nineties, uh a lot of them found punk through skate videos or vice versa. You know, it's like kind mm-hmm. of absolutely that sort of a thing. So um in your in that hometown is when you you, there was like a punk community already established there. So was there like a skate shop and record stores? Like it had all of that? Well, for us, there was this this park called Acacia Park, which was really um, 
really influential on me. All these things kind of happened at the same time. So about 15 minutes away in downtown Colorado Springs, we had a plaza that was perfect for skateboarding. It was like a stage, you know, they'd have summer concerts for like local bands. Um, And we would, um, we would skate this stage and uh, hang out at this park and at the same time the record stores were a block away one was across the street but at the same time in our town this group of like they were punk rockers and the skinheads not racist but like just skinheads like iron cross tats and you know docks and and, and flight jackets they sharps are yeah, they never claimed sharps. They 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 had their own gang okay. name called the Ducky Boys um, from the Outsiders. But they uh, they were badasses, and some of them were skaters. Some of them, you know, they all did these things, and it's so crazy because they would sell us records. And I, it sucks because I don't have a lot of these records because I sold them to get camera stuff for like nothing compared to you know first pressing of Initium Sam Hain, but um. They went away and I was like, whoa, I mean, and this was a big, a big change for me in life because we were smoking weed with them. We were drinking beers, keg parties. We were the little kids that were like the 13 year olds. They would take to a hardcore show and like stage dive us. They would just toss us around the pit and stuff like that. And, um, you know, they went away for a couple months and it was like, oh, where'd everyone go? And then they came back and I noticed everyone smoked a lot of cigarettes and didn't drink or smoke anymore. And they quit selling us all the stuff they were selling us. Little did I know, you know, they were all messed up on drugs. You know, they were selling stuff to get a fix. And they all became straight edge. And that really changed my life because then I did. I was like... You know, I was skateboarding and loving skateboarding and and partying I got weird about because me and my brother did it in junior high and then everyone started doing it in high school and I thought everyone was hypocrites because they would talk shit on us for doing it when we were in junior high. And our mom was a bartender and she let us have complete freedom as long as we came home. And that also made me not want to do things. It was weird. All these things just converged when I was 15. And I was like, you know what? These guys aren't doing it. I'm not going to do it. You know, that music and lifestyle was a big influence. Like Gorilla Biscuits was a huge influence on me. Um, Minor Threat was a huge influence on me. And um, I didn't really, I didn't drink or smoke or anything until I was 21. So... You know, all that stuff played a big role in in who I was, um, you know, early on in life, and, and really changed me. So I don't know if I got off on no, no, no. Th- what the that's all great was, but do you? It's uh, so it's funny. Like with uh, with first, um, I actually hung out with uh, like a couple of days before last week when we were going to talk. Uh, the night before, I hung out with um, Justice and Lee Spielman uh, at at my boy yep. Luis's house. And uh, I was telling him I was going to interview interview you in the morning, and um, I was like shooting, you know, I was like, I was like, yeah, I'm thinking about asking him this, thinking about asking him this, and then Lee Lee was like, yo, ask him these things. So uh, we we sort of combined a couple of these. So uh, one of cool. them is, do you remember what your first skate shoe was? My first skate shoe, the first time 
that I was able to um, get my own pair of shoes. Our godmother bought us shoes, and my first skate shoe was a Jordan 1. Okay. Like, that's what I wanted. Now, I don't know if that answers the question. Um, I mean, it does. Because yeah. you're probably looking for, like, a skate brand. It was so funny. that you, you should include this. My brother's first shoe was an Airwalk. 540. So it was really funny. He went for a skate shoe brand and I went for a Jordan one. Did you, uh, did you, I mean, I'm assuming that you have the same shoe size. Did you, did you both kind of compare like which one worked better? Uh, no, we were just like, this is mine's doper. (laughs) We've always been like competitive. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but I look back at it now and I don't know which one was actually cooler because I think the Jordan one's timed out better, but you know, Deep down inside, the Airwalk is a pretty cool choice too. So. Yeah, for sure. And I, I read a, I read an interview with you where you, you ended up having, you ended up kind of had like a moment where you're like, you started, you picked up taking photos, and you were like, I think I'm, I think I enjoy this more, or like I'm getting more out of this than skating. Is that, is that like a good quote, or is that, is that uh, taken out? Yeah, of Yeah, no, that's a real thing. I mean, I, I really love skateboarding now in my 40s just as much as I did as a kid. I don't get the time as much as I'd like to, to do it, but I really enjoy it and, and love it. And, and the thing with, um, with me, with, um, why that happened was the magic and photography. The first time I saw a black and white photo being printed in a dark room, I fell in love, but I also just realized, dude, you're not that good at skating. <laughs> Uh, I just wasn't and I'm still not so but I love it more than anything still do you remember what the first photo you took was yeah I actually have prints I don't have the negatives which is a real bummer Damn. oh my god if I had my original negatives I'd be so stoked but um I have a box full of print of some high school prints that I, I'm very lucky to have and my first ones, I have these skate photos and these portraits of my friend Josh Wildman, who was a photographer, who was a big influence on me. And um, yeah, he, you know, he really changed my life. But I, yeah, I, I have these. And they, the portrait is very similar to how I shoot now to this day, actually. Oh, that's so interesting. It's, uh, yeah, it's really nice. But I, I brought, I have photos there's photos of me front row at a quicksand show with the camera. And I'm like, did you mess the photos up that bad? But those photos are never to be seen, which is a bummer. Was there like a photo class in high school that you took? Yes. So I, I the story about that is me and my brother were in a fight. He locked me uh, in a bathroom and I punched the door and broke my hand and I needed to take an art elective. So my friend Josh Wildman, I thought was so cool. I was like, I'll take photo because I don't need to draw and it was so on out the gate that was my junior year in high school and I was kind of a lost person at that point to be honest of you know I don't think anyone should know what they want to do for the rest of their life in high school or in college that's ridiculous but you know I a lot being around skating and seeing people be very motivated our skate scene was was very tight and people were making a difference they were making zines they were making videos they were putting on shows that you know it was a very DIY scene and um, it was inspiring and photography gave me that outlet and, and and filled that void that was kind of missing you know people had sports you know some people were really good at skating 
but I wasn't, you know, and uh, that really gave me something I felt like I could excel at. Oh, that's beautiful. Do you remember what your first or do you still have actually more so do you still have your first camera? You know, what's crazy is I have my first camera and I got it on my 40th birthday back from my friend who I sold it to. Oh, that's that's touching. That's very beautiful. Yeah, no, it's amazing. It's really a great gift. What kind of camera is it? He kept that. And it's a Minolta X700. And I would just stare at that thing. But now I'm a Canon guy for the record. Shout out to Canon because <laughs> they've been really taking care of me. So what uh, what was the circumstance for getting that first camera? Did you because I, I know that you mentioned you were like working at a in a restaurant at a young age. So was it just a matter of like saving up paychecks or was it a hundred percent? A hundred percent. Oh, that that was it. It was just like, you know, everything was like weeks and weeks of saving money. I bought it in a pawn shop. So, yeah. It was it was a very special thing to me. Did you have any idea like what the camera was when you got it in the pawn shop, or did you just see it in the pawn shop? Window yeah, like, it was oh, all black. Like, I'm gonna get that. It just looked cool. Like, I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> yeah, 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 like my I don't think you know this is no diss at my photo teacher, but I don't think he knew what he was doing either. He was like he knew the basics, but he was a he was like the wood shop assistant. Like it was crazy. <laughs> yeah, he was. I, I feel like uh, I feel like a lot of teachers. Um, it's, you know, like just kind of get thrown into role. I remember it, uh, I grew up in Burbank and there's a there was a like a family planning or like a like elective, like it was like family or something like that. And the teacher was the was the auto shop teacher who got given the role. Exactly. Be, be, he got given the role because he had six kids. They're like, well, you can teach parenting. It's like doesn't yeah. make him a good parent no, just because he has six kids. Like you don't know what his life is like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no it, it it's so crazy to think that that's how it works and and you know i mean that's a whole nother conversation but that's why defund the police and put stuff back into education the way it should be really 100 percent is absolutely absolutely so you moved to you mentioned you moved to california in 95 yes i moved to california in 95 was it uh northern or southern um that was uh, Southern California. I moved to Oceanside, California. Oh, how do you, what brought you to Oceanside? That's like, uh, for, for listeners that aren't fully aware of California, it's like the middle sort of between Orange County and San Diego? Yes. It, it, well, it's North County, yeah. Why Oceanside? Like, what brought you specifically to Oceanside? Uh, Transworld skateboarding. Um, I visited California, like, six months before i'd never flown and a pro skater had said you should come out and visit that i met work because i started working at the skate shop called bc surf and sport and this pro skater josh beagle um he was like yo you should come visit and i did and i loved it the blue skies the red curbs the green palm trees primary colors just sold me so i went back to colorado and was like i'm gonna visit there one more time and if i like it it's good and i had made a contact at Transworld and was sending photos to the photo editor grant Britton. and you know it was yeah it was just like come visit and i was like dude i'm moving there and just packed up everything and drove out here with like not much money not a plan to work at anything but like a 7-eleven I really did not move out here going, I'm living the California dream and I'm going to be a big photographer. No, not at all. 
It was just, um, you know, I wanted out. A lot of my friends, you know, had moved to San Francisco for skating. And I was kind of like, if they do it, I can do it. So Right. So it's funny. I was thinking about that uh, when kind of thinking about this conversation. Um, like, because punk and skate culture are so closely related, I, I've, ta- I've had similar conversations with people before where, like, with punk music being in a band, you know, it's like the it's uh because the ceiling is so low it it takes like no effort to end up eventually meeting or playing with your favorite bands you know it's like it's all pretty accessible and something i think it's pretty beautiful about i think even the skate community is that you can just be a a kid who likes skating for fun but then go to the skate park and all of a sudden one of your heroes just happens to be there skating did that was that something that uh, that you found happening a lot growing up? Cause I mean, I have to imagine that had to, no, not, uh, not at all. Like that was, um, that was so rare okay. to see pros. Okay. They were like unicorns. So when these guys came through, I mean, you would see skaters, there would be like three teams maybe that would come through town. Um, for the weekend or not for the weekend for a demo it'd be like a show it's very punk rock you know i remember being like so fascinated and seeing you know not a lot of people came to colorado Springs, so we would have to drive an hour to denver which was like a really big deal it's one of those things that um i think looking back i was very stoked to you know, I feel like in California, you can see a pro, Southern California specifically, you can go see pros anywhere, you know, but when I was a kid, no. So it made me just appreciate them more. I think kids now are a little more jaded in that sense. Do you remember the first you know? pro that you saw that you just, it blew your mind? Oh, yeah. Who was it? Oh, yeah. Um the first, me and my brother, it was funny. All this stuff happened in one day, and it, it seems like make-believe because it became such an influence. We went to the record store, and uh, I was with my mom, which we quite often do all the time. And uh, I heard Bad Brain, Sacred Love playing. And I remember seeing the record. They had it on display. And I remember just being like, whoa, black people with this music, this sounds weird. You know, we were 12 years old, so we weren't dumb, you know. And uh, my mom was like, oh, there's a skateboard event across the street. And, you know, we had, you know, at this time, skateboarding was already trending. So we we knew about it. It was like the first boom of the Bones Brigade. And we went across the street and it was Matt Hensley and Ron Allen doing a demo. And they both were alling so high and, and and it was just magical compared to anything we saw like, you know, our friends doing. Because at this point, we'd kind of made contacts with people in skating and around, but we weren't full on skating. I remember me and my brother went away from there like, oh, my God, we need to become skaters. It's so cool. Um, so, yeah, I, I totally remember that. Oh, that's awesome. Um, so you, when you moved out to California, then you, you started working for, for trans world and did, uh, do you remember what your first paid assignment was like to, to where you're like, Oh my God, I'm actually doing like, I'm getting paid to do what I love. The first thing I did was still in Colorado and I got a, um, when I was in Colorado, they did a, um, 
an article on our town that my friend actually uh he made the contact with them so they used some of my photos for that so that was the first thing there was an article about the skate scene in colorado okay um actually my very first photos the same guy sent a bunch of my photos to slap magazine that was actually my very first printed uh stuff in a magazine um with slap magazine how did i feel to open up the magazine oh it was insane yeah well it was like one of those things too everyone called and was like yo the the new issue of slap has your photos you know so that was like a big deal to me i was like oh my god that looks great um and then the trans world article was you know because the slap one was like quarter pages. The the transfer one was like full page color photos. So it was like, whoa, because slap was just black and white at that point. Um, so it was a big deal. I was just going to ask. So once so once you were in California, were you finding yourself just like every other day, either driving to San Diego or driving to L.A. or how did that uh, how did that work? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I was kind of when I first moved there, I was definitely the dude who they could be like go shoot so-and-so because we don't want to do it, you know? <laughs> like, I became that guy. You know, these guys were in their 30s and had wives and kids. And, like, skating is a young man's game. And it's like you're hanging out. You're not going to get the photo every time. So unless you're, like, down to kick it, you're not going to enjoy it. You know what I mean? It's a very different thing than anything else in the world. And, uh you know, it's a club that once you get in, you're in. But like, you know, it, 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 that's what makes it so unorganized, which is what I love about it. Sure. So even yesterday, you know, even now, like, I'm obviously at the tail end of my career, let's be real. Um, but it's like, I still have these friends that these kids that I get to hang out with. And it's great you know so it's it's an awesome thing to be you know like these kids still want me to go shoot their picture you know it's an honor because these kids are the best it's a young man's game at the end of the day well i mean because it's so related to the punk you know like again it it all goes hand in hand i feel like um admittedly you know once you once you find punk rock like it stunts your growth in a lot of ways where it, your body every now and again once you get older starts to remind you like yo 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 you're not you're not 20 anymore like your brain sort of still feels that way because you know you're so involved in youth culture but um i can yeah i can uh, i can imagine what you're saying for sure um it's funny the uh the kid who plays drums in my band elliot he was a huge skater uh, growing up and um i'll take this time to apologize and admit that uh that i actually rollerbladed for for <laughs> for, for a part time in my youth before i realized i was terrible at that so i i was never good enough i couldn't skate i couldn't properly do it at all so i was like well rollerblades look cool little did i know and um so i i hit up elliot uh when i told him i was going to interview you and uh he had a couple things that he wanted to that he thought to ask you because i feel like it could come in perfectly right now which is uh do you remember what the like do you have like a memory in your head of like the most impressive trick that you remember catching oh like what's the craziest trick i've ever shot that, like th- was there I mean, a moment for, that, for yeah. me it's the first time tony hawk did the loop oh shit you were there for that yeah what year was that again uh 
God, I'm bad. I think 98, 97 or 98. Yeah. And it was, it just worked out because the older guys that I worked for were all out at this European contest that no one invited me to. And Tony had set this thing up. So I was, I was already really good friends with Tony and he was like, dude, come shoot the loop. And I was a rookie. Like, I can't believe that I was the dude to be able to shoot this. So yeah, that, I mean, that will always be, um, something that I feel very honored. You know, I've seen a 900. I, 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 I've seen a lot of first and, and things, but the problem with skateboarding, right. Is that it's all about progressive. So like if someone skated a 20 stair handrail, now kids are skating 23. So what you thought was the gnarliest thing in 1995 is a joke <laughs> in 2020. Right? right, right, right. So, you know, there are those moments. I have a, a ton of them. Just I think really what it is, it's not necessarily the trick at times. I mean, I just shot this guy, Nigel Houston, back tail uh, uh, 18. That was insane, you know. So we're seeing the progression get so out of control. But at the same time, it's pretty amazing that, you know, the people that I shot over time have aged and become great still. And their influence is still talked about. Um, Heath Kirchar, Eric Costin, Andrew Reynolds, those are the older dudes. But there's, um, you know, a lot of these younger dudes that are doing also amazing, brilliant stuff, too. Absolutely. Um and once you started shooting like more often, obviously, and you obviously have to get getting close and, and, you know, be very near, near the trick when it happens. What, uh, what's the worst injury you've, you've got from being too close to a trick? Like has, have you had a lot of cameras smashed or, or, uh, or have you been lucky to dodge a lot of that? Uh, no. Yeah. I've been, um, yeah. Hit in the face. Um, you know, there's no like stitches, but you know, um, you know, uh, I definitely, yeah. Cameras just get hit, you know, yeah. being fisheye for, yeah, I can, I can only imagine. Um, it's like, yeah, it's, I mean, it's similar, but not similar in the, in the way of just, you know, being a photographer for like punk and hardcore shows being right up front, you know, you see, so Oh many my God, get- being <laughs> a punk photographer is, um, it's crazy. I remember because, you know, I grew up when like moshing was pogoing and light stage diving, you know, like crowd surfing is what it was, you know. Um, you know, I I laugh at, you know, I remember I'd been so, um, you know, after quicksand and stuff like that, I still paid attention to stuff. You know, but I got in high school, my senior year, I was like jazz reggae classics. That's it. You know, like I then went, you know, my brother would listen to Pavement and and um, Sunny Day Real Estate. And he kept me kind of in tune to a lot of stuff via him, you know. Um, but I was really focused on more soul, jazz and reggae stuff. And I remember a friend of mine was like, dude, you'll love this band Trash Talk you know, knowing that I loved hardcore growing up. And I remember I had to shoot a, a trash talk show and Lee was like, yo, just stay by the drummer. Like it's going to get kind of hectic. 
and it did and i you know like if you want to call it violent core or whatever like yeah i didn't realize people just punch each other and like you know floor st- i didn't see any of that i wasn't going to strife shows or anything where that stuff was the norm so yeah i i remember being like whoa so now when you know like obviously you know i think if you know me you know turnstile is my favorite band ever um you know going to these new hardcore shows and being turned on to new hardcore you know like i i really love show me the body there's there's so many great bands that like i've learned that i didn't you know i think there's so much great new music even like sludge like kowloon walled city i mean there's something like covet in yvette young this this guitar player piano player there's just so much new stuff that i really love but yeah new hardcore is terrifying to shoot and shout outs to all those photographers who put their lives that's that's worse than skating for sure yeah i'm uh like i think you might uh, i know she was in the the turnstile video that you did but like angela owens is a good friend and uh she her mm-hmm. her photography is is my absolute it's great. favorite just for life for life stuff what she's able to pull off and especially being so close to everything it's fucking awesome um you, it's funny with uh with tying into the punk ethics uh with punk ethics sort of talk i I watched a a video an interview with you from a from a photo gallery that you did and you talk about how you don't feel comfortable like selling your prints or something like that because you said something like the person in the photo is responsible for why for like the love it gets right and i'm wondering if that if you feel like that sort of that sort of thought or like kind of comes from punk ethics and like almost i I always call it punk guilt like for instance when you're a a young punk band and you start you you know you print your first t-shirts in your mind you're like well i know this shirt costs 350 to make like i can't sell this for more than 10 bucks you know like that's stuff like that sort of gets ingrained in you you know and i'm wondering if if do you think that sort of played a role in how you look at uh i guess the business side of photography um yeah no for sure i mean i you know ian mckay obviously being a huge influence and um just that whole background um being a thing um no doubt you know i i also you know all of it whether it was the teachings of Malcolm X or, you know, the teachings of public enemy, the teachings of, you know, Karis one, um, Bob Marley. So much of that stuff is really talks about being anti-materialistic. And it's funny because I had this conversation last night with a friend about music and people being mad in the indie scene that like people are sellouts because they make success. And like, no, I, I, I don't, think there's ever a problem like i do think if there's only one way it's either you're ian mckay and you're so pure on everything or a little bit of a sellout is all the way a sellout because you can't really throw stones um but you know for my photography yes it's just something that like i 
feel if I was a subject on someone's photo and they were selling it over and over, I would want to A, know that it was being sold over and over and B, you know, not that I would expect money, but I would love to have that conversation. So, you know, don't get me wrong when in another 10 years when I'm not shooting, yeah, I will probably have to figure out a way to sell prints to sustain some kind of living. But when I do, I will reach out to who I am selling those prints of because I think that's only fair. And and I think that's the thing about being a photographer. You're just documenting someone else. You're never as good as your subject. You're never better than them. You know, I find photographers with egos are crazy because you will never be anything without your subject at all. I mean, yes, people who shoot nature, that's a different thing in a sense. But let's be real. Uh, real artists are painters. Real artists are musicians. That's a pure art form. That's a pure way of self-expression. Photography is just seeing something in a different perspective to me. Interesting. Okay. And you know, you've you've mentioned now twice, like this this idea of like wrapping up your career or whatever. Was is there something that's inspiring that, or like making you be like, oh, I I should wrap it up, or or that, or are you losing? Do you feel like you I'm like, just old? Yeah. That's no. I mean, <laughs> I'm just old. You know, yeah. like uh, photography. I'll I'll do it. I I see photos. Like that's my thing. I always say I see photos. Like that's all I see. I'll always be taking photos. But you know, I I don't see myself retiring anytime soon. I think in skating, you know, I, I'll always just want to be there. But I do realize, like dealing with cops for my whole life, being black and being a skater is one of those things I would love to make less of. And when you go out skating, you're dealing with that shit every single day. Um, so, you know, it will get to a point where, yeah, that's probably something I don't want to do. But, you know, I'll always shoot it. I just won't probably be the dude, you know, like how many more years do I have left? I don't know. You know, I can't really say. It's not like 2020 is my last year, but you know, for the first time in my life, I go, okay, probably what, a couple more years, two or three, you know, who knows? I'll do it always. But like I do, when I do things, I want to be the best and do the best at what I can do. So, and I'm still doing that in skating. Like I'm not the best at all. I'm not as good as I used to be, but I do still really contribute to what's going on in skating. So I don't want to just kind of do it. And if I do, I want to be let it known that this is the way I'm going to do it. I don't want to just kind of fade out. And I know like recently you, you know, recently as in the last couple of years, you've been doing music videos. Is that something that interests you a lot? Uh, is that something like you want to pursue more of? Or is that just like, oh, shit, I can do this. I'm going to. No, no, that 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 is just projects with friends who ask me you know i only you know uh the soccer mommy video was the first thing that i did that was outside of my friend group and it was really awesome she's great she's an amazing musician and uh that was an awesome opportunity um but you know that's not really where i'm trying to to go full time well, you've crushed it with those. I mean, the turnstile video is awesome. I, I think of, Thank I, you. I think the ones I know the most are the turnstile video and the American football video. But the last question, how I like to wrap up each episode is 
Do you, rem- I mean, you may have already answered this, maybe not, but do you remember the first moment that you had where it hit you that you were doing what you've been working towards? Like, like, I, like, wow, I'm actually doing it right now. Do you remember what that moment was? Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, there, there's multiple ones, you know, in someone's career, I would say. I say, I think the first one is I remember being on the first trip with pro skaters and being like, oh my God, I'm on a trip with Eric Costin. You know, that was, that was amazing to me. Um, you know, your first trip in skating is, is the one where you feel like you made it. And then after that was the first time I had money in my bank account that was saved. That was, you know, uh, more money than I'd ever seen in my life. And, you know, always the first check, but just when you know that this is something that you, you know, I, I, I worked in a restaurant, I worked retail. So, you know, those are things that if you're, you know, I wasn't trying to be a cook. So working in a restaurant wasn't something I dreamed about. Um, when I worked at a skate shop, that was something I dreamed about. I didn't feel like I was really going to work. I mean, the reason I didn't like going there was because it took away from me taking pictures and skateboarding, but I still rather go there than the restaurant. And now, you know, I always say, if you do what you love, you're never going to work a day in your life. So for me, you know, going to, um, going to shoot skate photos. It's just what I do, you know, going to do photo shoots is what I do. So once you start doing that and you're able to pay your rent, you know, and and eat, that's great. You know, that, that's that moment. Oh, I love that. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for doing this. I, I, you know, I really appreciate it. It was no problem. Well, there it is. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, if you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with your friends, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review on the Apple Podcast page to help the show just kind of get more visible to other listeners. Uh, This is a new project, as I mentioned, so I'm really grateful to be able to share these conversations going forward. So anything you can do to help spread the word is a huge, huge help. Uh, Thanks again, and I'll catch you on the next episode. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.